Hey there, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of That's How We Roll, a podcast where I talk with motivating and inspiring women who are professionals, entrepreneurs, organization leaders, artists, and so much more. This week's guest is award-winning journalist and composer Charu Suri. Charu has been playing the piano since the age of five and performing since the age of nine. She is the first Indian-born jazz composer to premiere work at Carnegie Hall. Her latest album, Book of Ragas, Volume 2, debuted on August 6th. Charu received six nominations in the International Singer-Songwriters Association, a.k.a. ISA, awards in 2021 and won a silver for Band Single of the Year for her original song, Bluesy. In April, she became Jazz Artist of the Month and won a gold record from ISA. She's a voting member of the Grammys Recording Academy. During the pandemic, Charu uploaded several jazz performances on her social media channels for joy and inspiration, which we all needed so desperately. So check out her social media channels to listen. So let's find out more about Charu and all her accomplishments and about her upcoming performance at the famed Carnegie Hall coming in November. Join me in welcoming Charu Suri, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Avis. Congratulations on your accomplishments. Let's talk about your journey to Carnegie Hall first. But I also want to want you to explain to everyone what Raga is and what it means. Thank you so much, Avis, for having me. And it's so interesting that you asked that because I was having this very conversation yesterday at a at, at a sitar recital of my friend, who's also a raga expert. A raga is an Indian modal scale. There are over, there are hundreds of ragas. And they have a certain um, mood, a presence supposed to be played at a certain time of day. They also have a different ascending pattern and a descending pattern. So unlike a Western scale, which has pretty much a fixed ascending and descending, which is the same, a raga has different patterns up ascending and descending and it, it really if you listen to it and improvisations of Indian ragas in music you really feel that it builds and establishes a mood a calm or a sense of place in such a beautiful way so those are the scales that I grew up listening to and singing uh, when I was a child in addition to my career as a western classical concert pianist how old were you when you moved here to the United States? I was 16 when I moved here, and I started learning music there when I was five. So I was a classically trained concert pianist, so I was playing everything from Mozart to Schubert to Beethoven from when I was nine years old, uh, performing in various concert halls. And I also simultaneously was learning Indian music. So I grew up with a hybrid of systems in my year all the time. So let's talk about Carnegie Hall. So you started playing the piano very young. Did you ever think that you'd be playing at Carnegie Hall? Never in a million years. It was my dream. It was my absolute dream when I was a child. I would be like, oh, my God, how amazing would it be to play at like Lincoln Center and Carnegie Hall? And funnily, funnily enough, I'm going to get a chance to play at Lincoln Center in, in December, too. So this has been an amazing year of performing opportunities. But at Carnegie Hall is an entire evening show devoted to my work, and it's it was it was just amazing to perform there for the first time in December 2019, and this is the repeat a second performance. 
and I became the first Indian-born jazz artist to perform at Carnegie Hall too. So it's been a dream come true, but it's also been an inspiring one because it's given me confidence and and also joy to sort of uh, inspire people, especially female composers and pianists. Um, they're emerging in, in in India to do the same. Oh, I'm sure. Well, the first time that you got a call from your, you know, from your manager, your publicist that says that you were playing at Carnegie Hall. How was that experience? Like, what were you thinking? Did you think that they called the wrong number? Are they talking about me? Did you mean to call me? Like, what were you thinking? I, it was amazing to hear that. I con- I actually contacted them directly, and then they 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 said yes. I had to set. I had to apply for for everything, and you know, you obviously give them my credentials. But then we, you know, we were just working to find a date for the show. Um, uh, and it was just absolutely surreal. I remember just not feeling that it was real, that it was, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of a little bit in the tri- twilight zone. And, you know, I'm, 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 I come from a middle class family in India and where we, you know, saved every penny and every every little amount we could for education and, and opportunities. And um, and it was just amazing for my parents even to hear the news that that all those lessons paid off <laughs> in I know, some, right? <laughs> some way shape or form right oh that's just great so they were probably just as as happy as you were and oh, excited yes. because you were like oh she finally she made it she's at Carnegie Hall yeah I, they, <laughs> I think they were absolutely delighted and super super happy so but I think you know it comes with a price it's just a, it's been a lot of work and a lot of behind mm-hmm. the scenes and sometimes you know when my friends ask me why don't you come hang out at parties and why don't you do this and I'm like because I'm busy practicing yes yeah <laughs> and it's uh and then you know you get you get labeled as like oh my god she's a loner she's a she's a, a solo kid I'm like no I just found a great passion for what I do and so it everything comes with a price tag right so yeah, exactly. And now they're, those friends are looking at you like, oh, see, that's why she didn't come yeah, out. Yeah, now they're buying tickets she... for my show. <laughs> <laughs> which is good, which is good. The first time that I heard your music, I heard you playing outside in an outdoor concert in Hudson County. Right, that's and, right. Yeah, and I had never heard your music before right. and I mean I loved it and so I was so glad to even and I was like she played at Carnegie Hall because you gave me your card that's right and I was like wow that's so great she played at Carnegie Hall wow so I really want to go to the to go to the concert to the evening of music so it's going to be like a couple of hours is that what it is yes it's going to be an hour and a half of uninterrupted performance and then we're going to have an after party afterwards but it's on November 13th which is a Saturday at Weill Recital Hall and tickets are available online. If you just Google Carnegie Hall, uh, Charu, Suri, you should be able to find them. And it's going to be an evening of both standards. We have some standards in there, but mostly uh, music songbook and raga jazz original pieces, which are very new, very interesting, very different. Um, my second album is has been submitted to the Grammys this year for consideration in the jazz field and we've been I've been getting so much amazing feedback like it's been absolutely fantastic feedback I'm getting from people who are listening 
on the fusion of Indian ragas, jazz, and Sufi singing, which has really never been recorded and done in this way before. And so that's the great feedback I'm getting. So at the hall, you will be able to see the entire band, listen to the entire experience, and listen to the magical Sufi singing, the piano playing, and the entire band on August, November 13th. Well, you heard it, so we're gonna. I'm gonna put everything in the show notes, so you'll be able to click on the links and get your tickets, so that you can uh, attend the concert and at Lincoln Center in December. So, if you have that information, I'll make sure I include that, so to make it easy for everyone to go and buy the tickets. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You mentioned being an inspiration, and that's one of the things that this podcast talks about: is women that are motivating and inspiring. How important is it, because you're a piano teacher, Yes. how important is inspiring them to follow their dream if they are musicians, if they're composers? How, how important is that to you? It's very, very important to me because I feel like uh, both inspiring people from a compositional point of view, I've had lots of women, especially Asian artists, I think... I think one of them mentioned you're like the only Asian jazz artist uh, on, you know, um, who submitted work uh, for consideration this year, um, a female jazz artist. Um, and some people are very, very inspired. I've had a lot of women reach out to me, a lot of women reach out to me saying that, thank you for blazing a trail. Thank you for making me feel that it's, you know, when you get married and have ch- children, you have a certain expectation and, 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 the expectation is not that you leave everything behind and go on tour with your band and, and perform like night after night and compose and, and perform. But that's really what I've wanted to do uh, ever since I was a child. And I, I don't let I don't like let images and and stereotypes limit what I'm trying to do. And even that goes to the sound of what I'm creating, which is definitely new. We had a great write-up from All About Jazz uh, recently on how this whole sound is very, very different and how it's it's very uh, similar to the exotic nature of Joe Beam's work in the 1960s, which also blazed new trail and forged new, new, new ground in the bossa nova era, which was amazing to receive. So I, I would like to inspire people in so many ways, also, especially women composers, to take risks and, and find their own voices and not be afraid and ashamed of their heritage and their past. I think it's it's really, really important to, to do that. And then for the children, I teach a lot of children um, piano, everything from beginner's piano to advanced. It's so important to inspire them to to have that confidence to play. So I recently became a Steinway partner, which is a huge honor. So Steinway approached me and said, would you like to be an educational partner? That's great because then my students get to go to Steinway events and they get to perform in the Steinway auditorium, which is amazing. You know, a five-year-old. That's incredible. Yeah, a five-year-old having a chance to perform on the best pianos in the world in a fantastic auditorium, private auditorium, which is like Carnegie Hall, really. Uh, it's it's the opportunity my piano teacher gave me when I was a child. So I'd like to pass it and pay it forward and, you know, give it to my students. I think it's very, very important. I think it's important for teachers and educators to uh, have the greatest respect for educators. 
I think it's 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 important for people to 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 really realize that the buck stops with you. The buck does stop with you. You have to do what it takes to make the world and the future a better place. So I really do believe that and I that's part of what I why I'm doing what I do. Since you are an inspiration, I want to find out who or what inspires you. Where do you get your inspiration? I get it from a lot of my peers' work. I get it from a ton of the work that some of my uh, composer friends are doing, the the great classical pianists and the jazz pianists. I listen to a lot of Bill Evans, Oscar Peterson, David Brubeck, and I, I listen to them hoping to be as good as them, uh, if not better one day, and uh, leave a legacy of recordings. Anything that has a potential to create beauty and making the world a better future inspires me. I, I'm inspired by activists and environmentalists and those who are working tirelessly to combat things like climate change. And I mean, they, all of all of those energies motivate me because I get out of bed thinking this is this is wonderful. If we can all think like that, if we can all put our energies not towards negative situation like fighting with each other or or besmirching each other, but more positive, positive causes, we could, we could definitely do great things. Yeah, that is important. So you were a journalist as well. Tell us about that. Uh, Where did you work? Was that something that you did while you were on your way to Carnegie Hall? (laughs) Yeah, I have been, I've been writing a lot for various newspapers, magazines for over 10 years. I've won a lot of awards for that as well. I, I, contribute to the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Architectural Digest, and AARP, Condé Nast Traveler, a lot about travel. And I've been traveling since I was a kid as well. So yeah, I do a lot to find the news and then go where the story is. So it's a tricky balance. It's a fine balance because it's a lot of details. But I, I, I really love doing it. I love writing and I love you know, writing music. So both things. So it's been great fun doing what I'm doing uh, to balance both. Yeah. And then while you're traveling for music, I guess you can always write something about Uh, uh, your experience. Yeah. So a lot of the times when I go on tour with my band, I end up turning it into like a travel story as well. So I end up reporting on the city that I'm going on tour to, which is a nice way of seeing the city from a slightly different perspective as a performer and also reporting on it, which is, which has been very nice, actually. You were writing during the pandemic. You, you released songs and music on social media. Did you travel? Were you performing as well during the pandemic? So a lot of the performances ended up being live streams. We actually did sell tickets to a fair number of live streams because obviously people couldn't go into shows in person. And uh, so that was the amount of performing. And I was putting out a piece every day on social channels. But I was also recording in the studios. Once the studios opened up, my band and I recorded new albums in the studios to put out uh, because studio albums are always fun to do. And, mm-hmm. and it was something that we just needed to get the juices moving. We needed, I was busy composing during the pandemic, to be very honest with you. I've never written so much than I have during that time. Because it was like, all I had to do, it was like, shut in my room with the piano. I'm like, know. what else am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
<laughs> like that's it. So I actually produced a lot of work. A book of Ragas, Volume Two, which we're presenting at Carnegie Hall, was written during the pandemic. I also released three singles, and and about to release a lot more albums next year. So I know a lot of people were frustrated with the lockdown. I just tried to turn it into a creative purpose for me. So I was trying to forget about the absolute heart wrenching situation that was going on outside, and I also did a fair amount of reporting because news was coming out every single day.、Uh, not so much about travel. But about how travel and travelers are adapting to the the new normal. So I did a lot of reporting on those topics as well, because you know, all of a sudden you had these chronic travelers who couldn't go anywhere, and、right. so how were、uh, companies adapting to this? So I wrote a piece on virtual tours.、Um, it was really fun, like virtual tours of the Sistine Chapel, etc. So if you couldn't go to Italy. You could take virtual tours. I wrote a piece on virtual festivals that ran in the Wall Street Journal. So if you couldn't travel to a festival, there were some festivals coming to you. So there was actually a fair amount of reporting I did in、uh, in addition to my com- composing during that time. Yeah, that's great because a lot of people were were bored. I, I mean,、yeah. I was not bored a single day during the pandemic while we were in lockdown. I was not bored a single day. I found something、right. to do every day. Exactly. You wrote during the pandemic. Was there a difference in in the personality of the music? Was it the same as before, or did it take on a different tone? Was it more somber? Yes. So there's one track in the album Raga Asavri, which is a morning raga, which is very haunting. It's so haunting. It has very powerful lyrics. The lyrics are guzzles. You call them guzzles. Devotional songs. That cover the topic of love and loss. So, there's one particular guzzle that was used for Raga Asavri, which is the second track in my Raga's album that just debuted. It basically translates to "Without you, my instrument ceases to make music." So, it's a very sad topic of of loss, and that that inspired me to write these. Pieces that were, you can't escape the realities around you, and that is the truth. And I think a lot of us wanted to escape. A lot of us fled to the suburbs. A lot of us tried to find any amount of green we could. A lot of us listened to a lot of music. For me, it was the outpouring of music that helped me. But it was hard to miss what was going on outside. So yeah. So I think the the album there's some definitely some heavy moments in them. Now you kind of touched on this already, but、um, what advice can you give, or do you have to offer to upcoming musicians and composers? I would say something very similar to what Shakespeare's quote was: "To thine own self be true," because it really is about being true to yourself. At the end of the day,、uh, your art is your art, and you know I can't even. I, I can't even tell you how many people were like, "Well, we just pat me on the back and say, 'Oh, how nice you're doing what you're doing. How sweet.' I mean, I mean, we've all been there. I'm sure it's just、mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, whatever. We'll we'll see when it happens. And there are some people who have been super supportive to me, and some people have been like, 
absolutely blatantly dismissive. And that happens, I think, to everybody. And for every artist, and, and artists especially are sensitive people and they have, while they may have a thick skin outside, they're very fragile and sensitive on the inside. And I would say, really, honestly, at the end of the day, <laughs> that you should not pay any attention to that kind of advice. It <laughs> like literally just don't, like erase it from your memory bank. It does not serve any any purpose at all except to hopefully inspire you to create and prove them wrong. I I would say it's hard. We live in a society and slowly the images of expectations and perceptions are changing, but we still I think live in a society that's very that's very uh image driven and and it's it's like people are expected to do certain things in a certain way and and that is definitely changing but i think that artists need to rise about that and you know have the courage to blaze a new path and a new trail it definitely takes a lot of courage to to do put out your own voice and mm -hmm. continue putting it out there and uh despite what anything happens or what people are saying but that's that's ultimately what makes me happy. And I know a lot of artists are the same way. That that's ultimately what makes them happy as well, because nothing else really, really fulfilled me on a personal level. What words of wisdom can you offer for us and people listening today? I think that it's very hard. It was very hard for me. The hardest thing I've had to do was to love myself and love my output and love what I was doing. I think you're your own worst critic and your own worst enemy. Uh, and I think that if you have the courage to put your love out there and your voice, you will attract people who are meant to be in your life. And that is really, really the honest truth. I think that I've had to eliminate a lot of people from my life, like eliminate like as in I don't want to keep in touch with them because they don't get me, I don't get them, and that's fine. It's not a personal thing. I'm not mad at them. It's just that maybe they are meant to do other things. And I think it's very important to remember you can't please everybody, but it is actually really detrimental to your own health and well-being to try to be pleaser to everybody I think you you're not going to end up happy you're going to try to just running around and chasing tails and in the end nobody really wins because you're in trying to do all things and be all things to all people I knew that I was not going to be that that mom who's gonna you know be the you know at home mom and having the cakes ready for the for have a nine-year-old daughter for my daughter when she gets back from school not happening if i cook it's going to be a miracle i mean really <laughs> like a brownie day in my family is like oh my god mom's just opened the kitchen and the pots and pans are coming out wow 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 this you gotta see it's, it's fine i'm like i'll deal with it <laughs> it's that's just who i am and i've learn to embrace it and love it and accept it and you know i see all my other mom friends being like oh yeah i based it baked that amazing flan the other day the souffle came out so great but i have to tell you the top wasn't that great and i'm like i don't understand what you guys are saying i haven't baked a souffle in my life <laughs> i'm okay with that <laughs> it's okay <laughs> i was like that's not what you're supposed to be doing and i think 
we get so caught up in comparing and just saying and and this is what you're supposed to be doing that's what you're supposed to be doing in the end you know everyone's spreading themselves so thin trying to do everything and trying to be super mom it's not i realized a long time ago that's not what that was not going to happen for me mm-hmm. and i think the that was wisdom that was when i realized that was when was wisdom mm-hmm. i uh then i realized then i have to just be happy doing what makes me happy and then others will be happy so so brownie day and souffle days are you're not going to get that here but <laughs> if they are they're probably purchased or imported from some <laughs> local store but i am, and that's fine that's fine but i am getting better i am i have uh, taken an initiative to be a better cook and a gardener and do all those things that are you know important and and that is i think wisdom is is really realizing who you are loving that and accepting that and saying it's okay it's okay not to be a grade a student in every single aspect of life yeah that's really great advice to to be yourself and just be happy with yourself because even though you are a superwoman in so many aspects, there are certain things that you just have to say, hey, this is this is not good for my mental health. So be yourself. Exactly. You've got to be yourself. And I think it's also important for people to realize that that society can judge you really, really harshly. And that's going to happen anyway. And mm-hmm. they are on their own journey. And how you have to realize everybody is on their own path and own journey. And and that takes a lot of growing up and a lot of wisdom to acknowledge and accept that because the immediate reaction you have is to flare up and to start getting resentful. And I think that's when I really started growing and coming into my own is is recognizing that everybody has a path and everybody has a story. And maybe everyone's story doesn't always coincide at the same time that you expect them or you wanted to. But they're, they're still traveling, they're still discovering, and that's what it's about. Thank you so much, Charu, for being here uh, with us today. I so appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. And don't forget that she's going to be performing at Carnegie Hall in, on November 13th. So I'll make sure to include the link. So make sure you like, subscribe, and share the podcast. And follow me on social media. Follow Charu on social media as well. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for having me. It's just been a real pleasure to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, checking out the podcast. Thank you for inviting me into your space. And until next time, I hope you will continue to thrive, grow, and be kind to yourselves and be kind to others.